You are listening to Practical and Woo by Mindset and Manifest. I'm your host, Eden, and I'm so excited to offer you this bonus series called the Collaboradabra Series. This side series is a forum for us to meet interesting guests with unique perspectives and gifts discovered from lived experiences that are both practical and woo. Let's dive in. On this episode of the Collaboradabra series, I'd like to introduce you to Lauren Wittig. Lauren is an intuitive healer and a mentor to those on or just beginning a spiritual path. She is the founder of the Heartlight Wise Women Circles, and she's an award-winning novelist. Lauren loves to combine her healing skills and her story skills to help her clients reveal the stories that no longer serve them in their mind, body, or spirit. As healing happens, new stories are discovered, enhancing and supporting the transformation into a healthier, more joyful, and heart-centered life. This is the same journey Lauren took to health and her heart-centered purpose, and it brings her great joy to be able to assist others on their journeys to joy as well. Hello, Lauren. It is such a pleasure to welcome you to the Collaborative series on Practical and Woo. How are you today? I'm great. I love the name of this series. It just makes me want to giggle. So (laughs) I'm really happy to be here. That honestly makes me so happy. I, (laughs) I came up with the name for it like many years ago and didn't know what it was for. And then all of a sudden it became known, Mm -hmm. I think. I feel like you are a very probably great person to talk to about that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Being an intuitive healer, a mentor, a leader of women's circles, as well as an author. I was actually taking a look at your Kindle accolades and your mm-hmm. your book covers. And I'm very interested in in the fairy tales that yeah. you bring to the world. We didn't get to talk about this at all when we first met. No. No. Are you are you open to talking a little bit about your storytelling? Absolutely, because storytelling is so pivotal to the work I do. And that's where I learned how to tell a story. So yeah. No, I love to talk about my books. I just don't bring them front and center very often. <laughs> they are calling out to be front and center right now. Um, I know I totally put you on the spot with that one. <laughs> That's fine. I wouldn't have author on all my bios and stuff if I wasn't willing to talk about my books. <laughs> Perfect. That's beautiful. So I would love to hear from you how you got into storytelling, how it is, I guess, the channel in which you help bring healing, how it's the medium in which you bring what appears to be incredible stories about strong heroines on their adventures mm-hmm. to the foreground. And I, I, I just, as a tra- full transparent moment, I have not read any of the books <laughs> though. I am now suddenly very interested <laughs> in doing good, so. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will have to say they're good reads. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I was even as a child I was obsessed with story. Um I always I mean my dad used to read to me when I was really little and he would do voices and you know make it fun and bring things to life and um and he particularly loved wordplay so there was a lot of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> 
So um, I, I, I found, found a lot of joy in stories and the life that I was living in a very volatile family stories were a way to kind of escape and to try on other lives. I was really big into being in plays for a while when I was a kid too. And my, I remember my mom asked me once why I liked it so much. And I said, cause I get to be somebody else, you know? So, um, so there, there was that. And, and I was handed books by my family um, regularly. And I think this two, two books really got me into the idea that I wanted to be a woman who was doing something with story. One was the Nancy Drew mysteries, which I read when I was about nine. And I, I was obsessed with Nancy Drew and she was so great. She was so smart and she, you know, she had all these friends and, um, and then a little bit later, a couple of years later, my mom handed me little women and I wanted to be Joe March. Now, Joe, if you haven't read the book, first of all, you should. Second of all, Joe was the heroine and Josephine. And um, she was a writer and she wanted to be a writer and she struggled to be a writer and she had to take care of her family and all these other things too. And I just, I always sort of held that as, you know, a, 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 an image of what I could be. Oddly though, I didn't consciously think about being a writer. It wasn't until my husband saw me throw a book across the room one night <laughs> because it was so bad and I was so pissed off that I'd spent money on it. And he looked at me and he said, why don't you just write your own? And it was like this curtain went back and I went, huh, <laughs> I could do that, couldn't I? It never occurred to me. Um, I don't know why, because I, you know, Joe March was right there. But um, yeah, so that's when I started trying to figure out how to tell a story. I had to learn how to tell a story. And it took me a year. Oh no, it took me years <laughs> to figure that out. But I also was, you know, starting off in a career and I, then we had kids and, you know, so there was all of that life stuff that, that came along too. But I finally discovered romances and romances are books that get a lot of denigration in our, in our culture um, because they are written by women. They're written for women. They're published by women. They're edited by women. They're marketed by women. They're agented by women. It's an all female not exclusively, but it's probably 98% female part of, of publishing. So of course we got paid the least and yet our books sold the most and supported all the literary and other kinds of things that the publishing houses wanted to bring out that gave them you know, status. But it was such an amazing community of collaboration because women like to help each other, right? We like to share what we know. We like to assist if somebody's got a problem, how can I help? It's sort of, I mean, not every woman is like that, obviously, but it's in general, that's our nature. We, we evolved collaborating and supporting each other. And I fell in love with the community. My best friend of over 20 years, I met in that community. I am published because of that community. They taught me how to write a story. They taught me how to market it. They taught me how to be a professional about it. Um, and so that's also sort of where I fell in love with women's circles. Um, so a lot of, a lot of my roots come out of those years where I was a, a working author. The, the books I tell are, are from my, my roots, my family, my mom's family is half Irish and half Scottish. And my books all take place in medieval Scotland. Cause that's the part that really is magical to me. I know Ireland's got really magical too, but I wasn't exposed to that as much. And. I chose the time period of about 1300, which if you've ever seen 
um, Outlander. Uh, out, well, Outlander's a little bit later. I think that's <laughs> 1600s maybe. But um, uh, Braveheart came out after I had started writing this, but that's the era that I write in. It's right at the, the beginning of the 14th century. And I love it because there's not much written history. There are some documents of, from legal documents, that sort of thing. And there's archeological evidence, hmm. but particularly for women, there's just not much written down about what their lives were like. And I have an anthropology, cultural anthropology degree. So I love to play with culture and I have, you know, I'm not an archeologist, but I had to study that as well. So I just brought all of these passions that I had together and it all kind of ended up in that spot. Mm. Oh my gosh. That is so, so powerful. That's Thank how you. I got there. Thank you for sharing all of that. And there's so, there's so much substance to that share from the reason why you started reading and immersing yourself into books and theater and then realizing at some point or having it reflected to you that you could make your own story mm -hmm. and joining forces with a huge community of women and supporting yeah. each other. And I think that that is all so nuanced and beautiful and apropos to the topic of women's empowerment and women really allowing themselves and allowing ourselves to light the fire of our inner stories and our voices and to to attain and achieve power mm -hmm. in a society that is really not set up for that right <laughs> is really oppositional and and obviously with the advancements of technology and the global village and women's rights and all of these changing landscapes, there is more room to start building. But if you think about even money in the hands of women in the sixties, I'm pretty sure you weren't allowed to take out a credit card. Nope. You weren't allowed. So even this like financial liberation, this ability to recognize I can be an author, mm -hmm. right? That is a, a career of some sort that maybe it wasn't in your realm of possibility because we often are not framed as women to be like, yes, I can do that. Or if we are, there's, in my case, I am a lawyer by trade. Mm -hmm. And I remember the juxtaposition of being feminine and being a lawyer. And it actually presented itself very frequently. I, I, I was passed up on many job opportunities by different firms with the critical feedback that I used too much inflection in my voice. <laughs> well, who does that? I also dressed inappropriately, but I, I didn't. I wore a suit and I happened to be a, more of a curvy figure. Mm -hmm. So it was inappropriate. Well, men typically don't have curvy figures that right. look inappropriate in suits. And so it, there was this blatant discrimination towards my femininity. And when I look around, it's like, wow, why are we suppressing that? Why are we suppressing that? Mm -hmm. And not to say like, uh, it's of my belief that masculine and feminine exist in everybody, right? To different yeah. degrees and spectrums. And it's not, it's not this black and white thing. It's a fluid thing and everybody has access to all of it. But if we're suppressing 
this whole energetic kind of half, I don't know what to call it. Right. In our, then we're suppressing so many gifts within ourselves for everybody, men, women, and everybody in between. Yes. Yeah. And then we're incredibly out of balance. Yes. And look at our, look at our culture. I mean, I, yeah, I think you're up in Canada, right? I am. I'm in the U S we're a hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) We are, you know, it's just, it, we are so out of balance energetically, masculine, feminine, that men don't feel like they can express emotions. So we get violence, we get anger, we get the, the need to be powerful in terms of greed, because it's a way that they have an outlet for that energy that they don't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Um, and women, on the other hand, have, you know, are paid less and, you know, don't get maternity leave or don't have childcare. And it's just, I mean, it's just it's a silly way to live and it's coming to a head. I'm happy to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, it, it actually, I think it's contributing to the the kind of ill health we all have mm. because our bodies, I mean, I, I'm an, I work with people's energies to help them release chronic illness, pain, those, you know, all of those things that, that the Western medicine only puts a bandaid on and doesn't really solve, but by balancing the energy of the body, which is masculine and feminine, that masculine energy of going out into the world and doing stuff and the feminine energy of nurturing. And the first person that needs to be nurtured is the self. Mm. And so those balances are way out of whack and people end up with chronic pain or chronic illness or allergies like I had, or, you know, it's just, it's not good. We could be healthy. We're supposed to be healthy. Yeah. We're supposed to be healthy. And, and there's the body is so wise, right? The body is so wise, but it's also a faithful kind of servant (laughs) of our will and our minds and our, it's like, okay, (laughs) if you want to, (laughs) if that's what we're going to do tonight, sit on the couch and eat Cheetos. Okay. (laughs) If you want to stew in your own misery, I I'm supporting, like there is so many times that I've in, in my recent experiences, just had such grass. Thank you, body, for sticking mm-hmm. through all of those choices, right? right. Conscious or right. subconscious or, and everything in between. Well, and all of those choices serve us in some way. And many of them, many of the ones that are not so great for our body are soothing to us emotionally, even if they're not soothing to the body. <laughs> so, yeah. and we need a lot of that in the last few years, particularly. <laughs> so it's, it's nothing that any, I, I don't want to shame anybody. I don't want anybody to feel bad because they are not healthy. Our culture and our environment does that. It, it sort of, I don't want to say it imposes it, but it sort of pushes us in that direction mm-hmm. to just, you know, not take really good care of ourselves. And I'm, I don't exercise nearly as much as I, as I want to even, and I don't want to a lot, (laughs) (laughs) but I know that my body will be a lot happier and stronger if I do that, you know, so it's for sure. Yeah. There's also something to be said. And I also want to put the disclaimer that when we're using, you know, gender normative language or healthy versus unhealthy, this isn't, this isn't a judgmental frame, right? It's, Mm -hmm. this is an invitation to consider, does this land for me? And if it doesn't, you know, move on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's important to talk about 
energetics and we have such a limited way of being able to access this language that we sort of are collaborating together to make a framework of what we do have access to mm-hmm. in this moment to relate mm-hmm. to our audience. So I do want to make that clear. If you are yeah. feeling offended by anything that we're saying, yeah, that's not the point. No. no. Yes. That's so not, maybe, the intention. not the intention. See if there's a lesson for you. And if there's not trust yourself in that, but what you're saying is incredibly astute and wise in terms of the body and the somatic wisdom that we have access to. And for me, it's, it's really about And I would be curious to hear your thoughts on this, but pleasure, even just seeing like making choices that someone else might've said is bad, but really it's maybe, it might not be so bad for you. It depends on your belief around it. It depends on why your body is craving that. It depends on, you know, the types of exercises you might be forcing yourself into potentially you would be better suited for ecstatic dance and yoga and a a bodybuilder would tell you that you're not going to achieve any kind of, you know, (laughs) but (laughs) it's all about tuning into what works for you. So how has this come up in your practice and and in your healing circles and working with clients? Almost without fail. I, I get some clients that come to me who have been working with other healers for a while. So they're a little more aware of their internal workings, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of my clients are pretty new to this kind of work and they don't have any sense of what's going on inside them. Mm-hmm. So they, they have not learned to listen to that, the kind voice inside, not the main one. You don't, you don't need to listen to the main one. That's your ego talking, but the kind of voice inside is your higher self or your spirit guides or simply your body trying Mm. to let you know that it has some information for you. Um, I, and, and speaking of not, you know, not judging, I ended up in the ICU. My health was so bad. So I learned from it. (laughs) Mm. So our bodies are always trying to tell us about, you know, what's going on or what they need. We just don't, we've never been taught really how to listen. Mm -hmm. And so that's where for me, it took meditation to get quiet enough to begin to hear that, that kind voice that was inside me. Um, and I still will beat myself up at times for not, you know, not eating the perfect meal or not doing the exercise I said I was going to do, or, you know, or my allergies will start to like, try to creep in. And I'm like, oh no, we're not going back there. (laughs) But that's where I go. Okay. What fear am I approaching? Because for, for most of us, if you've got allergies, it's about protecting yourself from the outside world. Mm. And so the, those allergies tend to keep you contained. You know, you want to avoid things. You want to avoid what you can't eat. You want to avoid for me, grass, trees, pets, dust, you know, it's like, (laughs) let me just avoid everything. Um, so, but, but the beauty of those problems is that it gives you an opportunity to turn inward and instead of, and I did this for years and I still slip into it instead of saying, why is this happening to me? What's in this for me? Mm -hmm. And usually there's a lesson to learn. There's a a piece of wisdom you need to carry forward. There's a story you're carrying around with you that is not serving you anymore. Mm 
-hmm. Um, And those we call beliefs, right? It's just a story you keep telling yourself till you believe it. And, And our body will tell us when those things are no longer useful to us and they're now harming us. They're now creating pain. Your body will be very subtle, but if you don't listen, it kind of cranks it up, right? So if you you have that nagging little pain in your toe, but you decide that it's you're just going to ignore it, and then it kind of creeps up into your ankle, and now you're limping around a little bit, and you're still going to ignore it. The next thing's going to be your knee, <laughs> you know, or you'll fall, or you'll get something that you know you got to go see a doctor about. Well, they're going to help you with any kind of infection or a break. There's there's places where Western medicine is very very useful but they're not going to get to the root cause of why it started. Mm-hmm. And Which so then it can happen Always again. spiritual, emotional. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's always spiritual, emotional, energetic. I would add the, that, the, that trifecta because they're all very much the same. Um, yes. And so traumas create pain in the body. Yeah. And you may think you're over it, but if you have not gotten down to the, the deep, dark core of it, and we, none of us like to do that work it's going to, it's going to creep out in weird ways. And so I love to work with people who have been in pain for a while, because I can help alleviate that pain pretty quickly. If they're willing to work with me for a while, mm-hmm. because we can kind of peel back the onion layers of the belief systems and of the stories that are being told, we can begin to unknot those and clear them. And then that makes room for a new story, right? And stories are powerful. Our our brains are literally wired to learn from stories. Speak more on that. I would love to hear more on that. I wish I still had the book. I don't know where it is, but there's literally a book called Wired for Wired for Story, and it was written by a woman. And I she came and spoke at one of the conferences I was at as a writer. And our brains are designed to learn best in story form. Hmm. So what do we do with little kids? We tell them stories. Yeah. The Bible is stories, right? The, the classic books are stories. And we, there's always these lessons because in, in a good book, your protagonist has to go through hell for a while to learn <laughs> something he, really, he or she really needed to know before she can have the life she wants, right? Yeah. So we learn from those stories. If we're holding on to a story that protected us when we were children, which is what I did, I lived, my parents were a narcissistic mom and an alcoholic father, really dysfunctional family, multi-generational kind of, of trauma. Mm. And I was, I felt like I was safest if I was unseen and unheard. And it took me until my forties to realize that it took me until my fifties to go, I don't have to be that way anymore. You know, because you begin to feel like you're you're a victim of those stories, yeah, right? I have all, that story. There's nothing I can do about it. That's the it's way also it all, you know, right. right? So I know yeah. for me in my journey, there's been so many, I, I, one of my gifts I am, and that I'm so grateful for is being able to see the pattern of what happened in here to what happened out there mm-hmm. or the pattern in someone else's life or Hmm, this is too, this is too coincidental. And and now I've been in the world of reality creation for so long that I, I know it's not coincidental. Right. <laughs> but I've always had that gift of correlative thought. And so 
to, to realize where we get trapped, to realize where we have taken on an identity often to protect us from something, whether it's in, you know, a teacher in school or a different adult or, or a minister in a community or a parent or whomever, any authority figure who is riddled with their own human experience, mm-hmm. right. Will on load to a young mind when a developing mind, a belief that then that young mind in their own little lens takes on. Right. I know that in the growing up process though, it becomes in, inherently difficult to sometimes change those narratives mm-hmm. that you have about yourself, mm-hmm. which is the first step. Like why, am, why am I a bad reader? For example, mm-hmm. so-and-so said I was a bad reader. I'm bad at reading. Right. That doesn't have to always be the case. Maybe you read differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that language and that changing. So how do, how have you noticed in your practice, people's kind of illuminated epiphanies, I'll say (laughs) about the stories that they tell themselves and then watching the transformations or the shifts. What are some examples you can give on that? It's, it's interesting because it's, it's often it's subtle and often it's like, I know it's shifted the person knows it's shifted, but hasn't really taken that in completely yet. Mm-hmm. So it, it, for me, the people I worked with, it, it's usually another week or two after this big shift happens, after we, we find the problem and bring it up, I call it bringing it up into the light, process it properly, agree that this no longer serves. And then I help energetically, I help to clear it. Mm-hmm. It takes a that it takes a little while for a new story to start to take place for one thing. So there's a kind of a void there. And as that begins to come together, the person's, I mean, I've had I've had people come in with I, my miracle client, I call her. She had RA osteoarthritis, and I can't remember. There was a couple of other chronic things that she'd had since she was a child. Mm. When I met her, she had just come out of eight years of being bedridden she was younger than me. Um, and when I met her, she was frail. She was in a great deal of pain and she was, um, very, very stooped over, you know, very protective kind of posture. I started to work with her and the very first time I did, she got off the table and was standing up straight. She was like, You know, she had come in, she'd given me this little tentative hug because it hurt to move too much. And she got off the table, stood up straight, got this beaming smile on her face and gave me a big hug at the end and walked out like she was in no pain. Now, she we hadn't cleared everything because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's layers. You got to go through the layers. So I continued to work with her. She actually said, I want to come like every three weeks for a while. And cause she wanted, she was like, I see the change. I want to make sure it sticks, you know? So mm-hmm. we worked and, and we kept finding things. And there was, I mean, there was all kinds of weird things. Some she had brought into this life with her, which I find kids who have those sorts of things that show up so early. Like my son came in with food allergies, um, deathly food allergies. Um, they've brought that from other lifetimes. And we're finding a lot of us are bringing things in from other lifetimes to finally get them clear. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
so she had done that, but she also, she just had had so many surgeries over the years. And it's one of my pet peeves, surgery. I'm not saying don't get it. I mean, it was absolutely necessary, but you need an energy worker to reconnect the energy the same way the doctors reconnect the muscles, the bones, the nerves, because that energy, if it's not flowing through there, the healing is very slow at best. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, that's a side. <laughs> One of my little pet peeves. <laughs> you have surgery, get somebody to work on the energy too. You know? <laughs> but she's, she's my miracle because she really did. She came so far and was able to sleep through the night and all these things that she hadn't been able to do for decades. Mm. And, um, and it wasn't for lack of trying other things. Um, I, for me, when I experienced that myself, I was, I had, my allergies had gotten so bad. I ended up in the ICU Mm. because I was getting tested for allergy shots. (laughs) Um, and that was my, my wake up moment that I could not, that there had to be another way to deal with the allergies. And I found through my best friend, uh, an energy healer. And in an hour, she was able to discover that my allergies were based on a belief that I should be afraid of everything in the world. You want to talk about locking yourself down. And I started to go, no, I'm not afraid of, and then I stopped and realized, yeah, I'm afraid of everything. I'm cautious about everything. I'm high, I was hypervigilant. I was always checking to make sure I was doing things right. So I didn't get into trouble, you know, those, and I was, I was always worried that other people were going to do things that I'd get blamed for, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but that was my normal. I didn't know that wasn't the way everybody moved through the world until she labeled it for me, named it for me. And in that hour, I was able to release the energy of those fears And she gave me some tools because there's still more fears that crop up. It's normal as a human to have fears, but my allergies are gone from that moment, gone. And I was in my mid fifties, late fifties by then. That's unbelievable. That's so amazing. And this podcast on this platform, it's important for me to really drive home the practicality of energy work and the practicality of woo. Right. That's yes. I love that. The practicality of woo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So to our audience, right. Who might be new to this realm, Mm -hmm. we are talking about things like coming in to this world with uh, stuff from past lives, right. (laughs) If some of this is feeling really out there for you or if you're afraid of it for whatever reason, because that happens. And I resisted it for a long time. Just lay it down, you know, and take from this episode what feels in alignment. But I do want to know from you, Lauren, as an energy healer and someone who works in the energy body, what you stated about surgery is very interesting. And I would love to open up a discussion more about maybe the inner workings of what it is that you're doing and how you're helping someone with their energy body, maybe the mm-hmm. mechanics of what a session looks like so that yeah. we can peel the la- onion layers around that. <laughs> a little bit slower too. <laughs> I tend to dive right in. <laughs> no, I love it. No, it's, it, it's so amazing. I think for me, I have, I have a personal hang up and it, it's one of the reasons it took me so long to start a podcast of this nature is because I do not like being dismissed because I can see ethereal things or because Mm -hmm. I can access 
things unseen right. and have seen the impact in my life. And you can probably speak on this as well. If you are playing in the realm of unseen things and the realm of energetics, you have to be a player in it in mm-hmm. order to see the effect of it in your life, because that's how the whole mechanism operates. Right. Your beliefs create your reality. Right. So the stories we've been talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dive in. You have to dive in. If you're curious at all to find empowerment through these mystical (laughs) ethereal realms, this is real stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm so passionate about it, but really frustrates me when I I invite skeptics. You're welcome to be skeptical. In fact, you should be skeptical because- you need to be able to discern intention. You need need to be able to discern resonance for your own being, your own journey, your own story, right? So it's not about the skepticism. For me, it's the closed-minded, like absolute write-off. And mm-hmm. I maybe it's it's a witch wound from the Salem trials. I'm not sure. Could be. <laughs> yeah, I think that's some of it because a lot of us, particularly those of us who come in as healers do have past lives with a lot of trauma in them that is, is cocooned around the healing work. Um, and I, I certainly have a number of those that I know of and every now and then a new one will crop up. It's like, damn, that's where that came from. Um, yeah, I was very resistant to this. Um, my, my book career was just really taking off when I, um, went to see a psychic at, at the same best friend who, found me the healer. Um, she said, you got to come. He's so great. You got to go. And he told me that I had been a shaman in many lifetimes and that I could be a shaman again in a year if I wanted to be, at which point I freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) Resistance. No, I can't. I'm a writer. I can't be a shaman. I'm a writer. I don't want to leave my writing. You know, that there was that, you know, down the road, I realized it's not an either or it can be a both and, but the resistance wall went up really fast. Um, But I was writing about people with the gifts that I was beginning to learn about before I knew about them. Yeah. So my very first novel, which was published in 2002, is about a healer who works with the energy of the body to heal it. And she uses her hands. And whenever I talk about my healing work, I'm always show, you know, showing the palms of my hands. They're kind of like satellite dishes for me. Mm. I, I can feel energy in them from the person I'm working with. And that doesn't matter if they're right here in my office or we're on Zoom like this. I can feel it because energy works that way. If you want to understand that, go study quantum physics. I <laughs> don't have time for that. <laughs> I have experienced it. I know it works. But so when I'm working with the energy, it's, it, it is interesting that, you know, I was so resistant, but I already had, I already knew somewhere deep inside, because I'd been fascinated with healers in science fiction and fantasy for years. But um, when I started kind of playing with energy, and I love the word playing, because I mean it, let's play with this. It's not, doesn't have to be serious. You don't have to get it right. It's just, you know, for me, it came out of that shamanic suggestion because I fell in love with trees Hmm. and I could feel their energy and I felt it through my hands and I literally would go and put my hands on it and just wait. And it would be like a warmness kind of running up my hand. 
And then I began to hear trees who are really funny. <laughs> I had a pine tree tell me that the pine trees thought the deciduous trees were lazy because they needed a nap all winter. <laughs> and that's, you know, you tell people that and they're like, oh, well, she's just making that story up. But no, I experienced it. I heard this in my head and I, I say I hear it perceiving it is probably a better word, but I, I tend to use the five senses language, but it's all an internal understanding, knowing. But that led me just to keep exploring energy, keep exploring energy. And then I, I did have, I, you know, I, I had that experience with the healer and I began to meet other healers and I wanted to learn how to do it. Can I do it? I could feel the trees. Maybe I could do some of this work too. And so I began to take some classes and lo and behold, I have all those gifts that I had been writing about <laughs> for years. <laughs> and I, I actually went back and read the, the, tr the last trilogy that I wrote where each heroine has a metaphysical gift. And I started writing it before I saw the, the psychic who told me I'd been a shaman. And the way I describe their gifts is exactly the way I experience them now. Wow. And I just kind of blew my mind when I realized that. So, but oh. it's just, it's just about playing energy is everywhere. We are all made of energy. Our cells are held together by energy. Our thoughts are energy. Your heart is an electrical thing. That's energy, you know? And so, and I'm married to an IT consultant who has a civil engineering degree. You want a more <laughs> logical person, a more person going, I don't know about this. Um, I'm married to him and I can't tell you how many healers I've met who are married to similar kinds of guys, <laughs> <You know? laughs> which creates this nice balance, right? A hundred percent. It gives that skept skeptical framework in which you can then accelerate your ability to ground the work yeah, I think is exactly. what it's for really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know if no, I answered your question. You, <laughs> you definitely are giving an incredible discourse here and that's really what this is about. And so one of the things that I heard you say that I want to reflect back is follow your fantasy. You're mm -hmm. a fantasy writer with an interest in these things that you can now do in your life. Mm -hmm. I know for me, when I first accessed my first spirit animal. And I, I got this, I was invited into this process by, um, um, an indigenous American person. And so, you know, spirit animals, I do want to say come from the spirituality often of indigenous communities. Mm -hmm. And I do want to recognize the importance of honoring, different modalities that you mm -hmm. try and making sure that you do it with high integrity and intention. And so she invited me into discovering my spirit animal and, and my very first spirit animal that I discovered that I have is a male lion. And coincidentally, that was my favorite animal growing up. Mm. And so then I started tracking some of my friends. What are your favorite animals? When you grew up, one friend was a crab. And when you look up the metaphysical symbolism of the crab, it was like exactly that person. Mm -hmm. And so follow your fantasy, follow your curiosity, because yeah. these things exist on an entertainment plane, but really are in potentially an invitation to connect to your own spiritual gifts and yeah. your own wisdom. And, and writers 
are tapped into, we call it the flow. It's energy, you know, and it's, and I know now that most of my books were channeled. I didn't know that at the time. I thought they were hard work because I wasn't, <laughs> if I had known I could just channel it, I just literally, <laughs> but, but I needed to learn how to craft a story and I, you know, and that's been very useful to me, but um, I loved Star Wars. I um, I was a senior in high school in 1977 and the, the original Star Wars came out that, that May, I think right at the end of, of my senior year. And my friends and I went to the second showing in Washington, D.C. on the opening night. And the minute I heard them talking about the force, I went, that's what I believe. That's what I believe. I'd been raised in a church, didn't really go anymore at that point, but it just resonated with me. Mm. Writers tap into that. Sometimes it's called the zeitgeist, that energy that's everywhere and receive information. And, and we think we're being super creative because you know? <laughs> we've got this idea and it's great. <laughs> then you see that six other people got the same idea for the book and they've written it in their own way. You know, it's like, it's, it's really weird how that happens. That um, happens. It so in spiritual language and, and you're welcome to go, right? Look up quantum <laughs> physics I, in my podcast. If you go listen to the episodes, there's always like zero point field, look uh -huh. it up in quantum physics. And I always have those little <laughs> um, invitations as right. well as what you said. I don't, I can't explain this to you. I am not a scientist. I'm right? not a scientist. I just I know that it works and I can give you as much language I have access to, to help right. you understand it too right now. In this exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but even so in spiritual terms, uh, it, the zeitgeist would be the Akashic records. Okay. Yeah. The Akashic record. And so, um, is basically the energetic library of all that has existed, is existing, or will ex exist up to the point of the expansion of energy. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see, like, if you don't take action on your idea, it will channel into somebody else. <laughs> That's when you like have an invention and you're like, that would be cool. And then someone has made it like right. in, within a yeah. few months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it so happens. It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. And I, one of the, channelings that I've, I received early on from some, through somebody else was that if you have an idea and you don't act on it, that idea is going to get tired of waiting for you and it's going to go find somebody else. It's <laughs> you know? like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not to scare you. There's plenty of more you can tap into. You just might have That's to right. find a new one. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But when you get a really juicy one and you're not acting on it, and then you remember that it's like, Oh, I got to get on that one. Yep. <laughs> it's just a little motivation. <laughs> just the, the best kind of motivation. But mm -hmm. so they say Albert Einstein. So mm -hmm. he used to do these thought experiments, which was essentially meditation mm -hmm. where you, you know, you slow your mind down enough. And he was able to conceptualize within a couple of years, what scientists at that time needed decades to yep. put out. And in his work or in some of his writings, you can, you can glean notions of him tapping into this record or the zeitgeist mm -hmm. of, well, it was whispered to me or yes. it was downloaded to me. And so I would love, I know that channeling is incredibly important to you and your work tapping into guides. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like we're, we've laid some practical groundwork enough to yeah 
to stretch the audience a little bit into these realms. So how do you, with us. <laughs> how do you feel about having discourse around these subjects? Oh, I love to talk about these things. Absolutely love it. it. Yeah, I absolutely do. <laughs> I mean, my, my life is why, why, excuse me, why and where it is because of my connection with my personal guides. Mm. And I, they have been very patient with me <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> They're like, yeah, Lauren, you'll, eventually you'll be okay with that. Just, just give it a try. <laughs> it's, but um, I, and I teach, I teach everybody I can think of how to communicate with their guides. It's one of my passions um, because it has been so transformative to me. And the first thing is what are guides? That's, I always forget that part. Um, but I'm, I'm teaching a workshop this weekend. So I've been <laughs> refreshing my, my, uh, my memory of the order of things. I don't, I'm not a linear thinker. So I, I have to like remind myself of what order things should happen. And, but guides are simply, it's spirit, it's energy. And they tend to take a form that is familiar to us. <clears throat> because humans like to be able to categorize, quantify, name um, those things that are in our in our life. That we do it all the time. We need to know what the name of that thingamabob is, so that we can figure out where to go get it. You know, if we need even another if it's, one. Even if it's a thingamabob. Even if it's a thingamabob. <laughs> a what you call it? A who's he? What's it? You know. <laughs> so. So what I find is that most people, their guides will present in a form that they're familiar with. So in, in this country and much of the world, Christianity is a very strong part of the culture, whether you're Christian or not, you've all seen pictures of angels and some maybe in a religious context or maybe just in a tchotchke shop, you know, they're just angels everywhere. So it's not uncommon for people to identify their guide as an angel. I have some that have presented themselves to me as angels. Um, and mostly that's just to make it easy. It's, you know, it's so we can, because it's not a concept we have any language for, right? So if we can, if we can put a, a, a shape on it, a name on it, uh, a species on it, you know, cause we have power animals and mythological animals and that sort of stuff too then we can, we, we can relate to that. We can look it up on the internet and see a picture of it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, we can understand basically what an angel is or what a dragon is um, or what a lion is, you know? That, so, um, and just with, with channeling, the, the channel is important because the only information that can be used, this is related to that. So if I'm channeling the circle of light, which is the group of spirit that I channel, um, and channel just means I allow them to speak through me. Um, but, uh, they can only, they only have access when they're, when they're coming through me to the vocabulary I have, the metaphors I have, the experiences I have. Um, so the, the channel limits a bit what messages can come through, which is, I think why there's channeling is exploding <laughs> everywhere. It seems like everybody knows a channel now, which is great. Um, but guides are really meant to be helpers. They are part of spirit that has agreed to stay on the other side of the veil or however you want to describe, you know, the unseen to assist you in your life. And 
the way it's been explained to me, we make contracts with other spirit when we're on the other side and sort of a life plan for what we want to learn here or what we want to clear up here in this lifetime. And so these are guides. These are parts of spirit that have agreed to help us on that journey. Mm. I have collected so many over the years <laughs> that I actually refer to my guides collectively as all y'all. <laughs> I love that. All y'all. All y'all. Just all y'all come on in and help me with this. <laughs> you know, I grew up in the deep South. So, you know, it's, it's, it was very comfortable for me, mm. but um, I have guides, different guides for different things. And that's the other thing is people see angels there and you're archangels. And they think, oh, that's, that's something that's above me. That's something that I shouldn't, I shouldn't ask. I shouldn't impose on that, that being with my own earthly needs. And that's no, that's not the point. Point is they're here to help you in whatever way you need. And most of us need a lot of help in the earthly realm in this, in this business of being in a body. And so I, my favorite one to share, I may have shared this with you when we talked before, but um, a friend of mine was redoing her house and she had somehow come into contact with an angel named Surreal, who was helping her to source the materials that she needed for her new kitchen. And Surreal would just kind of drop a catalog in her hand or pop something up on the internet when she was on the computer or give her an idea and, and the place to go. I was like, oh, I need somebody like that. I hate to shop. And, and so Surreal <laughs> offered to work with me too, because they can be in multiple places at the same time. And she is one of my favorite guides now because I hate to close shop. And for some reason, I always seem to need clothes. And so I will say to her the very first time after she said she'd work with me, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it and play with it. Why not? And I said, Surreal, I'm going on a hiking trip and I need a new pair of hiking pants. And I want the kind you can roll up into crops or have them as long pants and they need to be, you know, easy wash and wear. And I had all of these parameters and I'd been shopping for three months for these things and I need to shop <laughs> in case you can get that the first three times. And I said, just go see if you can find something for me and let me know when you do. And then I just kind of let it go. And I figured, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? About two or three days later, I'm sitting at the kitchen counter having my lunch and I get this sudden, like a zing, I have to go shopping. And I know exactly where to go. I mean, we only have one mall here in Williamsburg, so it's not a, you know, but I knew which store, I knew where in the store to go. And I didn't, beyond that, I didn't have anything specific, but I knew I had to go now. And I had to go, you know, to that store, to back to the left-hand corner. So I do, it takes me about 15 minutes to get there. And I walk into the store and I walk to the back and there's a sale rack right there. And I'm like, hmm. And I look at my size and lo and behold, there's hiking pants there. And I do a little flip, flip, flip through it. Lo and behold, there's exactly what I want in my size on sale. And they had it in two colors. So I bought two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Your energetic personal shopper. I, I, that's what I, I, now I have, I have a couple of, of shopping, you know, things of asks out there right now that I'm just waiting for some, some uh, feedback on this morning. I ordered some old fashioned Keds. I just want some basic Keds sneakers mm -hmm. to wear around and I can't find them anywhere. So I was like, just, that's what I want. Just this canvas white, just simple. 
she'll find him or she won't. If she doesn't, I'll never hear about it. But if she does, I'll get a sudden urge to either go to a website or go to a store. Or, um, yeah. So it's <laughs> nothing is too, nothing is too small. I love that though. I love the playfulness of yeah. your guys will help you with everything. People make this assumption that you have to be so serious and yeah. have serious things yeah. to do, but you're playing in the playground. How fun. It's like, yeah. as as if we're in a Sims game and you're like, I want to dress my avatar in the cargo pants. Right. Here's a special magical way I can accomplish this. <laughs> and then like, how much more amazing does it feel to be living your life, mm-hmm. interacting with the unseen in this way to be able to have such a beautiful, playful story like that? Playful. Yes. Yeah. It's so uh, fun. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing that I think a lot of people get hung up on with guides is that, I mean, because some people have Jesus for a guide, you know, Mm -hmm. that's can be a little intimidating, but they're just there to help. They want to help. It's like, it's like you have this, I don't want to call them staff. You have all of these people around who would like to help you, but you haven't allowed them to, Mm -hmm. you know, and the way you allow the easiest way to allow is to ask, you know, sometimes we we kind of ask without realizing we're asking and things start to appear. But um, if you really want to be, you know, let, like, let's get this job done. Um, you ask for their help mm-hmm. and you don't have to know specifically. I mean, I know that Surreal likes to shop, so, you know, <laughs> but I mean, I have so many, I will just say whoever can help, <laughs> you know, here's what, here's what I'm having, I'm struggling with, or here's what I would like to manifest if you would help me do that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I look back at my life and realize I've been doing this far longer than I realized, hmm. you know, cause I can see all the things I was really passionate about attaining in my life. Hmm. Um, you know, the kind of school I wanted to go to kind of life I wanted to have, you know, even the dogs that we've had, <laughs> you know, um, they've, they have appeared. I have, I have without realizing I was asking, I would make a list. I want this, 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 and this. And then that dog showed up at the pound with all of our things. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really looking back. It's amazing. The synchronicities of what I was asking for and them appearing very rapidly for us. And um, it's just been this, this house we live in, this was, we need to live somewhere with good schools, driving distance to DC because my husband wanted to continue working there, but we needed to get our son out of the pollution of the city. And, and I had always wanted to live in a small town with a college. We have the College of William and Mary here, which is a very prestigious college in the United, the US. And, and we have museums. So there's an academic, there's an intellectual life here. There's a cultural life, but it's this lovely small town feel to the place. And it just, once we let go of, we have to be in the DC area and said, what if we could just, you know, what if you were able to come to DC a couple of days a week and then be at home the rest of the time? Mm-hmm. Once we let go of that boundary, everything fell into place. In 13 months, we sold our house before it went on the market. We found an apartment right where we needed to so the kids could finish school. We found an apartment down here right where we needed to so they could start in the school they were going to be in. And then our house was built in lickety split time. I have full body chills. I love this so much. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, I have a friend, a friend of mine. We, we often would talk about, I haven't spoken to her in a while, which is why 
I'm using past tense there. I have to call her after this. Yeah. <laughs> um, we would do a lot of these sessions where we would be talking about what we're manifesting and, and what we're creating in our reality. And when, when something would happen for her, she would always say, high five, my guides. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I love this. This is the same playful energy of working with guides that I received when communicating with her. And so I'm having mm-hmm. these really sweet flashbacks yep. coming up yep. now. Well, and, and that, that gratitude is really important because I yes. do, I say, thank you all the time. I have a standing request with my guides for le- easy left turns. And every time I get one, I go, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> or can you hold that light for me? Thank you. <laughs> I love that so much. So, my goodness. It just, it just helps to raise the vibe even more. If you can, you know, just have a little gratitude and, and thank them. Everybody likes to be thanked for doing a good job. Right. For sure. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's so exciting. I love this topic of conversation. I do want to bring up the nuance and the importance of free will. So Mm -hmm. guides from my experience will not work with you unless you specifically invite them to do so. And so I want to hear from you, Lauren, what that process might look like for someone and someone who might be a little bit wary or shy Mm -hmm. or intimidated to connect to guides. Maybe let's break down a 411 of what that experience might or could look like, could look like Mm -hmm. it's well, for me, it happened first in meditation. That's where I met my first guide and I have a very noisy head. (laughs) So I had to learn to get quiet enough to, to begin to hear that, that, that gentle voice I was talking about early in this conversation, but then also to allow for other experiences to come in. And that's where I met a golden Eagle woman is her name. And she was very quiet. She didn't really say anything to me. She just kind of led me in, in, I don't know, in places in my head, I guess. Um, but she was the beginning and it was such a gentle relationship. There was no pressure to do anything, you know, with or for her. She would just show up every now and then in meditation, kind of like, Hey, I'm here, you know, um, and then I began to learn more about how to work with guides from my teachers and the internet and YouTube. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of places you can learn about it. But, um, and, and so then I began to, to ask, you know, for things at that point, I think Archangel Michael had already showed up through, uh, my friend who channeled him. Um, cause that was my first experience with a guide, like in your face kind of guide. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Golden Eagle woman was the first one who really showed up for me. Um, and I just got more and more comfortable with them. And I think I wasn't overawed by it. And I don't know why, because that is a, that is a kind of resistance. It's like, you get that, who, who am I to have a guide that powerful? Or who am I to talk to this, to, you know, spirit, this kind of thing, especially depending on what kind of religion you, you grew up in. That was a gatekeeper usually between you and spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can keep the idea of play and be open to the idea that things that float through your head are real and that you need to get curious about them, look for synchronicities because those are messages from your guides. And then I'll, I'll share one other story with you because I could totally be on board with all of this woo when I was with my friend or I was with one of my teachers and then I would get home in the energy of my engineer IT 
husband. <laughs> and I would start to doubt myself. Like I didn't, maybe I just made that up. I'm a writer. I have an amazing imagination. Maybe I just made that up and I would doubt things. So I, I finally said, and I don't think I was specific. I just asked my guides, general, all y'all. I don't think they were even all y'all yet. But I need, I said, I need a, a sign that there is magic in the world. And I asked for feathers because that was something that I knew exists in, you know, in the real world. Um, but they are very magical to me. I mean, flight is just you know, it, don't, it doesn't get much more magical than that to me. So I asked them to bring me feathers when I was doubting things to, to remind me that there was magic in the world. And then the feather deluge started. <laughs> I, so many feathers, I was finding them everywhere. Big feathers, little feathers. You know, I go walking with my dog and we'd find four or five feathers on a walk, you know, and, and it was just crazy. And even, I mean, there's seasons where birds are, are losing feathers a lot. I'd find them not in that season as well. I had a hawk feather standing straight up in this grassy area that I never walked by, but for some reason we walked there that day and it was just waiting for me. It was this beautiful hawk feather. <laughs> so, and I had one, I walked out of a restaurant one day, I had a little white feather float down in, out of a clear blue sky, nothing above me, just floated right down in front of my face like this. And I had been with my mother, which was always difficult. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, and I was like, oh, right, there's magic in the world. This is not all there is, you know? Um, and I finally, about a year in, I said, okay, thank you very much. I have enough feathers now. Because <laughs> no. I have vases of feathers around my house. I mean, it's just nuts. <laughs> And so every now and then I still, now I find these little tiny feathers every now and then little bluebird feathers or, or, you know, other feather, other brown bird feathers and stuff. But, um, and I, I always say, thank you. <laughs> you know, I always say thank you. Cause it's like, I remember, I know this now. Thank you for the reminder. I love the feathers. I'm going to leave that for somebody else now, <laughs> you know? but being playful, but also supporting yourself in this relationship or by, by accessing this relationship. For me, I needed support because I did not live in a community of woo. Um, I do now, <laughs> but um, I needed support in remembering who I really was, what, what was the truth that I was becoming aware of um, in, in the muggle world. I needed something to come into that world and you know, just remind me. And I would light up every time I saw one. Mm. So when you light up, you're raising your vibration smiling, laughing, feeling joy. So every time I saw a, a feather, I lifted my vibration up mm. until eventually I got to where I lived at that higher level. And now I live at a really high level. <laughs> so get playful with them and ask for help. I mean, it can be, it can be shopping for clothes. It can be reminding you that you are, you are a magical being. That's so, so articulate, so beautifully spoken. Your energy, I, I reflected this to you when we spoke last, you were so warm and accessible and gentle and you absolutely felt like the perfect person to stretch our audience, our practical naysaying thinkers. No, I'm mm -hmm. it's not all of you. I know, but I was, <laughs> me too, me too. Yeah. but that's the goal here too, right? To ground 
mm-hmm. the woo grounds, grounds the, the, woo, yeah. the spirituality and, and ethereal realms so that people have portals to be fulfilled people have portals to be living pleasure-filled lives mm-hmm. and in wellness because that is our natural state of being and we have fallen so far off that course that that's part of the fun though of coming back to it discovering it for yourself figuring out how you fit into the cog of the mysticism and and Mm -hmm. helping to do the inner work which is yeah just as important if not more important than your day job (laughs) I would I would argue it's the most important thing you can do I agree (laughs) yeah yeah because it it will affect everything and everyone around you so, yeah, inner work is intimidating at first, but there are so many people like me and you out there now who are in supportive positions of healers and, and mentors and coaches that you don't have to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I really love to say to my clients is that you can, if you've had a traumatic experience, you can let go of the pain, but you can keep the wisdom. Love that. Yeah, because it's that's the whole point of going through those traumatic things is there's something for us to learn from it. And until we understand that, we're not going to get rid of the source of the pain because that's why it's there. So you can let go of the pain and that pain can be emotional, physical, mental, whatever, whatever kind of pain you're experiencing. You can let that go, but you get to keep the wisdom without all of that emotional ramification that, that often we hang on to the story of the pain that we hang on to. Yes. So, oh, brilliant. Okay. So we are, I can't believe it, but we are about time here. I do want to give you, I I do put (laughs) my guests on the spot here, the last kind of sentiment. What, what is the takeaway that you would like to relay from our collaborative today? I think, I think that what I'd like to leave everybody with is that we live in a hard world. We do, but it's not all there is. And we are changing it every time we have these conversations and they ripple out to people and it lifts them up. It opens their hearts a little bit. It, it, I mean, it even affects nature right? Um, every time you laugh, you are lifting up. Laughter is contagious, right? So now you're lifting up everybody else who's laughing. Anytime you can do something to make yourself feel better, you're helping everybody around you and mother earth herself. And so have fun, play. Yes, there's icky stuff in the world. It's not going away immediately, but it is going away. And I think that's something that I keep getting through the channels is that we are already changing the paradigm that we're living in. Mm. We're just not seeing it on the news, but there is a, a tidal wave of hope and joy and understanding that there's so much more to the world than greed mm. and that balance is where we need to be. and. So we're moving in the right direction. And it's, and I just want everybody to remember that because it can get overwhelming in, in the muggle world. (laughs) Um, 
And it's, I, I just see so much reason for joy. And, and I just want, I want everybody else to start seeing that too. Yes. <laughs> I am celebrating you and that and everybody listening. Laugh, be in joy, play because it's working. That's what yes. I heard you say. It is working. It, it is, is working. working. It's not always obvious because we're not fed the good stuff the way we're fed the bad stuff. So have some trust and belief and tell a better story. Yeah. You know? Start making your own story, make it better, make it a better world. And um, together we can, we can create an awesome story for all of us. Mm, I have full body chills. Affirmation, confirmation. Love it. Um, if you are interested in hearing, knowing, learning more about Lauren, I will ensure to duly put all of the necessary links in the show notes of this episode. So you can find that in the description, website, social media, and whatever else podcast will, be, <laughs> will whatever else will be included in all of those links. Yeah. And so you are more than welcome to reach out and follow Lauren's journey. And also you might join me in reading her books because they sound fantastic. Um, They're fun. <laughs> with all of that being said, thank you so much for being here with us today. It has well, been such you. a joy. It has been such a pleasure. Yes, I agree. It's, it's always fun to talk woo. <laughs> it's always fun to talk woo. And to our audience, until next time.